Awesome. Man, God's good, isn't he? I feel like goosebumps. Are those Holy Ghost bumps or something? I don't know. I don't even call them goosebumps. Wow. Wow. Welcome this morning. God is so good. We're going to do a couple things here before I share with you some, some word. But um, I wanted to, I w- you know, this is like a very powerful day in a couple of reasons. And this week, our president declared today a national day of prayer. I mean, this, this has not been done. I mean, we've had our May 3rd, or it's like the first Thursday in May for years is kind of a traditional, but, but to call a day and set this day as a point for the country to cry out to God. And of course, you know what sparked this was Hurricane Harvey that came into the Gulf Coast and then moved up, and uh, the f- uh, flooding that hit Houston was historic. 50 inches of rain, a year's worth of rain all in a day and a half. And uh, 100,000 people have lost their homes. 100,000 homes completely destroyed, not to mention businesses and, and so on and so forth. So, I've gotta, I, I, so here's the thing. What we're going to do is we're going to pray and participate, but I also want to show you some things and something that we are doing and are in the midst of and give you an opportunity. You've already participated, whether you know it or not. Um, I have a cousin who attends a church in Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi uh, was supposed to be the hit, the point where the eye of the storm was going to hit, and it went about 17 to 20 miles east and north of Corpus Christi and hit this town called Rockford and Port Arsansas, and that's where the hurricane did a tremendous amount of damage, and uh, houses completely blown down and so on and so forth. And then from there, of course, the front moved up into Houston, and it was just a, it was the flooding that did the majority of the damage. And so, uh, you know, I've been a part of some different efforts and you know I was in I was actually in Haiti after the earthquake and um, and you know I saw I saw things that broke my heart one of the things that broke my heart was that a lot of organizations that raised money good organizations I'm not here to kick it but but a lot of the money did not get to Haiti and so um my heart was to connect with my cousin's church, which is called Church Unlimited, which I think is kind of interesting. And, um, and the pastor's name is Bill Cornelius. And so in uh, conversations, you know, I, I said, I just want our, I want our help to go right to where people are and where the boots are on the ground. So I have these pictures here. This is, this is some of the devastation right there from the hurricane in uh, Rock, Rock, is it Rockport or Rockford? I can't remember. Um, and so you can, you, and this is just a, one picture. Um, their church has uh, several locations. The church in, their church in this town was completely devastated, but they're not trying to rebuild their church. They're not, their focus has, yeah, absolutely, they haven't even started any of that, but they're, they, they got people together. This is some of their 
congregation, and they're just praying together, kind of praying over the loaves and fishes because the need is so great, and here you are, but you're in the middle of it, so they opened up their church in, in uh, Corpus Christi, and what they're, what they're doing, it's locked up on me, did I do something? So then they, they, they are out into the community, they're getting with families, praying with families, uh, I mean the brokenness, the devastation, you know, we know this for now, this will go on for years, really, the rebuilding process will not happen overnight, it will take a long time. And people, when you walk back up to your home or where you lived and it's a complete loss, there's just such a, a brokenness. They're out in the community praying. They're, they're, they're a gathering center and they're putting together uh, all kinds of food, immediate supplies. They don't really need a bunch of big stuff now. We're not, we're not going to put our effort into fill-in semis right now because they have nowhere to keep all this stuff. And, and what they're trying to do is get people through and get them necessities and take them lunches. Here's a gentleman being delivered lunch. He's out at his property and they're cleaning. And, and I mean, this guy, you can just see the brokenness in his, in his face. And so they're doing cleanup. They're out in the community and so on. So um, here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. It's amazing. Uh, there's lots of things being done all with all the strife that's been going on and in our country this has been a unifying factor and then and that's why and when the president had the news conference this I think it was Friday and he had a bunch of pastors in the room with him and they prayed right they prayed they prayed second chronicles seven fourteen. if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I could just feel a release because I feel like this has been something greatly needed in our country. And it took, it took, if it took this to get it up and running, I, I hate the, I hate the res, results of Harvey, but I'm telling you, I felt something shift in our country because I can tell you right now, God is going to visit this nation in answer to the prayers of his people. So I want you to pray with me. And here's another, I want to throw this in because if you've heard the weather, there's another, there's another storm off out into the ocean called Irma that's, that's coming toward Amer America, which would hit somewhere on the East Coast. Let's just, let's just do what Jesus did and talk to the storm and tell it to find a place out in the ocean to just die. You with me? You know, or, or I just, I just want to pray because, and, and I want us to pray for Harvey and all the efforts and all the churches and everything that's going on that, that God would concentrate and, and, and unify our nation. And how about while we're at it, why don't we just pray that Harvey is the, is the beginning of a national revival that our people, God's people, will wake up and realize, listen folks, a lot of these calamities and natural disasters are come 
because as a nation, we forgot God, but all of a sudden, America is waking up again. And when America wakes up and finds its place back in God, revival is going to sweep the land, and the greatest harvest that we have ever seen is going to be swept into the kingdom, and then Jesus is just going to come back. How about that? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today for your grace and your mercy, God, over America. And I thank you, God, that you put it on the heart of a man, a man to call us a day, to set aside a national day of prayer. We, God, repent before you because as a nation, we've tried to push you out of everything. We tried to ignore you. We tried to expel you from our schools and our courts and our governments and our, our culture and our society. And now we repent, God, and we say, come back, Lord. Come back to America. Come back to our churches. Come back to our cities. Come back to our government. Come back to our city, God, and heal our land, we pray. I pray, God, that as a result of this, God, you will raise up help. The church will come together as never before. God, that you will provide, God, that you'll put it, that, that the church will shine like a beacon in this time. And God, we will not take part in any divisiveness and, and, and finger pointing, God. It's not time to point a finger. It's time to lift a helping hand. It's not time to criticize. It's time to agonize and intercede in prayer, oh God. We pray, God, that you will heal our land from all of this mess, God, that's went on. Forgive us, oh God, and restore, restore our nation once again. Let this be a nation that's true to its, to its founding principles. One nation under God. Indivisible. With liberty and freedom and justice for all God. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 So, so as a church, we sowed a significant gift. I, I didn't have time to wait. I, I just felt like they needed help. You saw those pictures. That's just a small part. They're, they're taking tons and tons. They're a gathering place. And so I sent them an offer. We, we've had a surplus. We get, we get blessed around here. I mean, somebody just blessed this church generously a few weeks ago. And I had this surplus. And, and I thought, well, I, I can't. You know, here, here's like... Man, I just can't sit on this. We have got to do something. So I sent it down to them. And, and, um, but, I, I, but, you may, but maybe you want to do something. And you don't know. I mean, you don't know where to give it. I mean, I, I, everything mainly focuses around the, the American Red Cross. I have no, no problem with the Red Cross. But I want to work and partner with the body of Christ. Amen. No, seriously. I'm, I'm not here to criticize the Red Cross. I give blood. And believe me, that's a big sacrifice for me, because I hate needles. We, I ain't going to tell that story. Anyway, but, but I want to partner with the body of Christ, so we're partnering with this church. So if you want to give, I'm not going to take up another offering, but I'm going to give you an opportunity. We have a designation on the, on the online giving, which I set up, and all you have to do is, in the box, type Harvey, and then the amount. And every penny that comes in, we will send there. And uh, if you just want to write a check, the ushers will have these baskets in the back today. When you go out, drop it in the basket. Everything, every penny that comes in will go to, uh, to directly to them. And everything that's coming to them 
is going directly to the relief effort. They're not taking any cuts off of it. That's why I love partnering with churches. And so if you have not done anything, if you've done, you know, there's lots of great ministries. Maybe you've sowed it already into Samaritan's Purse or Life Today with James Robinson. I love all these ministries. We've supported these ministries. We've helped them in times past. So understand, I'm not here to knock any of them or what they're doing. What I'm asking you to do, though, is partner as we partner with Church Unlimited and give. So that's all I'm going to say about that. It'll do whatever the Lord tells you. Then go. So I'm, I need to know if there's those of you who are interested that we would leave on September 17th because they're give them time to do some cleanup. You know, I'm a carpenter by trade. I want to go help us give a week, and I have tools. We probably have to drive down in order to take our tools. And I need to know if I have enough of a crew to take with me because if I don't have enough of a crew, I'm going to fly down. So because I hate to drive. But if we have a crew, we'll take the church van, and we'll go down, and we'll spend a week, and we will work. And we'll work through this local church, wherever they want to send us. They know the need. I, I don't want to just go somewhere, and, you know, I want to go where we can make it. And we can't, listen to me, we can't help everybody, but we can help somebody. You can't do everything, but you can do something. That's just how I feel about it. So if I can go down and help one family, you know, throw some drywall up and mud it or trim it or paint it or whatever, then I'm going to go do that. If you want to go, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. Sign up, put your phone number on it so I can see where we're at. And we'll just go down for about, we'll leave Sunday after church, drive down to Texas, spend the week, come back on Saturday. So you'd have to take a week off work. If you work, if you ain't working, just come on and let's go. You ain't ever worked till you work with me. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so here we go. All right, so that's the pray, go, and give. That's it, all right? Is that air on? Somebody check that air. It's feeling a little steamy in here. I know it was cool when we got in. You might want to turn it down. So that's the plan. And, um, and I, it's a great opportunity. So God bless you, and that's what we're doing. All right, so let me get in. I don't know. Let me go a little. You ready? Are you ready? You've been sleeping up there? Man, Tina, you're awesome. Alex's been working like crazy, redoing a lot of the, the lights and wiring. We've had all kinds of little demons in the wiring, and he's chased them all out. And uh, Tina and uh, Tina's a, just such a blessing getting this all. I, can I just say before I get going here this morning, I have not wrestled over a message like I have this one. I, I, I just can, I can tell you, you know, that, man, I, I, have, I have really been wrestling. And, and I want to tell you part of the reason is, is because, you know, most of... Most of what, as ministers, we preach and we minister, we minister out of our experience. And, um, and you know, and, and here's the problem with some preaching is because maybe your experience doesn't line up completely with God's word, you're preaching a truth. 
Have you ever heard somebody get up and preach a defeated message of, of uh, I'm a victim, woe is me? They're preaching out of their experience. But God, God wants us to preach the truth. Whether, it's your, whether you're walking in it or not, the truth is the truth. And so part of, part of my journey here in the last few weeks is that God has, like, God has been putting me out over my experience. And so I think that's part of what I'm wrestling with is because I'm not up here to try to preach something that, 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 that I'm not walking in, but I'm going to tell you straight up front here today, what I'm going to preach and minister to you today is something that I and I think most of us have yet to really experience. But I'm going to preach it anyway, and then we're all going to seek God to make it real to us. Does that make sense? I know that's contrary, you know, because, but here's the thing. I remember reading back in, when I, and I study, I study history, revival history. I was studying Azusa Street years ago. I remember one of the things that struck me and stuck with me is, before the, before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in other tongues, William Seymour would preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then when he got done, he would step off of the platform, kneel in the altar, and ask God to give him what he was preaching about. Because oh. <laughs> it, wasn't, it, hadn't been, it wasn't flowing. But we all know the result of that is that God manifested, and out of Azusa Street came one of the greatest revivals the world's ever seen. And, and, it, and today there's like 60-something million people who, who are fire-baptized, tongue-talking Christians. Because a man had the guts to say, hey, here's what the Bible says. Now let's get an altar and let's seek God till we find him. So what I'm about to share with you today is, is kind of in a vein like that because, see, I've, I'm really, something has woken up in me. People who have been around me know, know something has woke up in me. And, and I'm telling you, it's, and, and I just, I love this picture. I just put this in there because I like this picture, so let's go on. So, so I'm going to, really what I'm going to do today is I, I'm going to give you, we're going we're gonna to go over scripture. So if you have pen and paper, I need you to write these scriptures down. And I need you to take these scriptures and really pray into them and really seek God for them because what I'm going to share with you today is, is, is going to be something, you know, because I'm going to talk about prayer, but probably not in a way that you've ever heard it presented. So, and, he, and, and, and I, I really, this is why I struggle too. It's like, God, Lord, please, please give me three points here. He didn't give me three points. He just gave me the word. So here we go. Here's the question I want to ask to you. Why has God tied himself to man through prayer? It seems like God has limited himself when it comes to his work on earth and, and all that because of 
his, his creative being. In other words, remember when God created man, he created man to occupy and to fill the earth and to rule and guard it and to, and to take dominion over it. Are you, are you with me? He created the earth for man. The heavens belong to God, but, but, but God created the earth and said, here you go, Adam, this is yours. Keep it, dress it, watch over it, you know, and, and increase. And, 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 and then when Adam fell, we know that he, 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 he resigned basically from his position and surrendered it over to the enemy. But God did not change his original intent. So for years after Adam's fall, we know that Satan really was sitting in the, he was sitting in the seat of control on the planet earth. Can you, can we all agree with that? I mean, that's where death and devastation and everything came from. The Garden of Eden was a perfect environment with everything provided. When Adam sinned and got kicked out of the garden, the earth became corrupted. The earth, the earth face the effects of their of their of the, of Adam's sin and the bible says by Adam came sin and sin came death are you with me but then you would think well god would like so he would take over but that wasn't what god did he 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 it was it was never in his plan to take back what he did. So now listen to this. This is Matthew 6, 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, this is a promise that Jesus gave in, 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 in teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking about, you know, he, he, compares, uh, he compares prayer with the, with, the, with the Pharisees and them. And he said, you know, he said, when you pray, don't be like the, notice what he's, listen, notice he says, when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees. He didn't say don't do like him. In other words, don't pray. He said, just don't be like him. And so then he goes on, and this is where this verse comes in. He says, but you, everybody say you. you. That's me, you, that's me, you, me and us. When you pray, notice he didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. Are you with me? When you pray, go into your room. Get, get yourself away Block out all the distractions. How many of you know that the enemy loves to distract people from praying? The devil doesn't want you praying because it you're going to see why in a second. But, but, but he says, shut out. That's why you shut the door because you're trying to shut the distractions. Man, that's, that's so important because distractions are, 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 what, are what destroys people. Distractions are those fiery darts that the enemy shoots to get your eyes on something other than God. When you pray, shut the door. Remember that old song, shut the door, keep out the devil. Y'all don't remember that? Shut the door, keep the devil in the night. Okay, anyway. 
When you pray, shut your door. Stop all the distractions. And pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father, your Father, your Father. This is, remember, this is revolutionary teaching because Jesus is talking in relational terms. He's not talking in religious terms. In other words, he didn't say the most high and great almighty God. He said your Father. Because Jesus was introducing man back to his relational calling as sons and daughters of the Most High. And he said, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. God wants to show his great power, and he will through his children. So God has tied himself to prayer. Listen to me. God has tied himself to prayer. Say amen. Amen. So here's what it says in Matthew 7. He's going on. Jesus is still on the same message, the Sermon on the Mount. And and he says, ask and keep on asking. I love this translation. I think this is the amplified. It says, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Do you see the what Jesus is saying here, seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open. Knock and keep on knocking. There's a persistency that has to take place in prayer. Too many times we, we start out to pray and then we get distracted and we get discouraged. How many of you have set out to pray and you get discouraged because we, we, we see years of something coming and then we want to pray and then in a, in a minute we want God to turn it all around. But here's the thing about prayer. You have to be persistent in prayer. Jesus taught us you got to be like that widow who keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. And finally the judge says, I'm going to answer this woman's prayer because she's wearing me out. You got to ask and keep on asking. You got to seek and keep on seeking. You got to knock and keep on knocking. You see, it's the urgency. I'm asking, I'm urging, I'm entreating you to keep going after God. This is part of what I think our situation is in the nation right now and in the church in general. Is because the prayer meeting has become the Cinderella of the church. You know Cinderella, right? This beautiful, beautiful young lady, man, that, that, that had just all of this going for her, but she was locked up in, a, in, the, in the stepmother's tower, and she was doing all their dirty work. And finally, she broke out. And she, and she, got, she got clothed in the right clothing and got the right, <laughs> she got the right shoes on, Hallelujah. And she met the prince, and the prince fell in love with her. You see, I think, listen to me, Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves everybody, but I'm telling you, he really loves his bride. And his word to the bride is, I miss you, I'm longing for you, I need you, I need you to come back to me. And, 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 you know, prayer is like, 
prayer is like, well, yeah, we know it's important. Yeah, we know it's good. But I mean, really, come on. But Jesus said, ask, keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. For everyone who keeps on asking receives. And he who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. How many of you got something you've been praying for for more than a few, few days? Can I encourage you? Keep on going. How many have sons and daughters who've been gone for a long time? Keep praying. Keep, I'm telling you, something is moving. Something is shifting. And, 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 and the very presence and power of God is bringing people back to life. It's important that we keep on seeking, keep on praying, keep on. How many of you have situations in your life over you? You know, I, I've been praying. I've been praying for revival for years, and, I, and, I, and, and then I gave up. Because in my head, I thought, this is not going to ever happen. Man, God, if God could do anything with this mess. But then then I come back into the reality that this is, this is his promise and I've just got to keep seeking. I've got to keep asking. So you see, God ties himself and God promises if you keep on, he'll, he will answer. Now, I just, I just stay with me here. Listen, I know, listen to this. So li- this gets a little serious now because in Ezekiel 22, here's what the prophet says. So I sought for a man, a man among them who would make a wall. Who would make a wall. I sought for a man among them who would make a wall. Make a wall. God's, God's trying to make a prayer wall around your life. He's trying to make a prayer wall around this church. God wants a prayer wall around America again. That wall's been broken down. It's been breached. There's something wrong in our nation. I have been out of the country. I went, I went outside of this country and was able to walk into public schools and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in public schools outside of America. And if I preached it in America, I would get arrested. What is, what is going on that God says, I sought for a man? And he's in this you can say women too because God's just looking for people who will step up into this intercession. And he said they would make a wall and stand in the gap before me. Stand in the gap before me. Stand in the gap before me. The gap is the difference between what is and what's supposed to be. We know that, we know that what's, what is and what's supposed to be, there's a gap. Say amen somebody. Listen, there's a gap in our, ch- our churches between what is and what is supposed to be. We're supposed to be walking in victory. And many of you can't muster up enough victory to even make it to church. And how are we going to bring life and life transformation when we're dragging ourselves to the thing going, oh, if I could just make it, I just wish I could make it. What, whatever happened to the church Walking and overcoming and overwhelming, conquering power. And so I sought for a man who would stand before me. Stand before me. Say say this, stand before me. That's what God's called you to do is stand before him. And then as you stand before him, he's given you authority. He's He's put the authority in you. Pray, seek my face. If you seek me, I will do this. He's even tied his own hands 
to you to say, look, whatever you bind on earth, I will bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I will loose in heaven. Are you with me? And so he says, I sought for a man who would stand before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it because it wasn't in God's heart. It's, God's, God's not, God is not trying to destroy it. But look at what he says, but I found no one. But I found no one. No one stepped up onto the wall. No one stood in the gap. No one cried out to me. No one stood before me, and I found no one. Therefore, I poured my indignation out on them. Remember Abraham? When God, when God revealed to him that he was going to destroy Sodom, and Abraham started interceding in behalf of the city, you know, and he said, God, would you, would you just spare it if there were 50 righteous? And, and, and God says, yes, I would. If I, and Abraham's interceding. God, would you do it if there was 20, 15? And, and he's, he's, he's doing business with God. And the problem was there was, there was, there was Lot and Lot had got corrupted. And so I poured out my, now think about this. God is looking for a church. I believe God's looking for a body who will stand in the gap and who will carry so much important authority and weight in the heavenly realm that that God will not do anything unless it's in answer to their prayer. I'm gonna, I, you, I know that just some of you went, oh, I can't believe he just said that, but I'm going to show it to you. God has committed the redemption of mankind into the hands of the church. This is another sobering fact. It's another sobering truth. God has committed the redemption of mankind into the hands of the church. In Matthew 9, 38, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. There you see the, the heart of Jesus who's broken for the scattered, lost, broken sheep of Israel and, and, and how they, were having, they had no shepherd and they were just wandering. They were vulnerable. They were, they were, they were susceptible. And he said, he said, uh, he, he said uh, listen to this. And he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know why he did this? Is because the harvest, he put the harvest in the hands of the church. Angels haven't been called to preach this gospel. Angels weren't commissioned to go into all the world. Who was commissioned with that? The church. The church. We sang about it this morning how that Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to earth. But what we've done is we, we made it all about us getting to heaven. But really what Jesus was, was, was came for was so that he could get heaven to earth through a people who were walking in divine authority and subject to his kingdom. Because he is king of the kingdom. It's his domain. And he taught us to pray like this. Our father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. 
You know, all this brokenness, all this scattered, all this, all this hurt and division and all this, all this, this, abs, uh, this God-hating, all this stuff is the result of sheep who've been scattered. And really, much of what we've offered them is a religion and not, not the real true living relationship. And so he said, pray for the Lord of the harvest. Pray, pray the Lord of the harvest. Send labors. God, raise up labors, raise up labors. Raise up labors, raise up labors. God, send labors. Raise up young people. God, raise up young people. God, send young people like, like firebrands into this call of the harvest. Come on, church. It's, it's important that we, we, we understand our place is, it, it, God has put a, a stewardship in us over this harvest. And to much is given, much is required. And if we do this, if we steward this well, then God gives us more. Listen, I, I, I see the church. I, listen to me. I see the church that will respond to this call and take the mandate of God to its place on the wall, calling out to God, standing in the gap. That church is going to be a place that in, in, in time will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because people will be running here to find Jesus. Wow. But if, but if we forget that and we don't, we don't sow into this and steward this harvest, maybe the harvest comes and goes and alas, we are not saved. Do you, you see where I'm at here? You see why I wrestled with this? You see, you see my, my heart here is, is I look at the church badly in need of a shepherd right now. Yeah, really, I, I, I'm serious, badly, because, because if we don't get the heart of the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered and lost. And so I want to I go, you with me? The, Matthew 9, 37, so back up here, listen to this. Then Jesus, went, then Jesus went about into all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Here's, here's, the Jesus, here's Jesus' ministry. Teaching in, he did this for three years, three and a half years. He went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, teaching, teaching truth, teaching and calling them back to sonship, back to the Father. That's what he came, I came to reveal. That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh. And the word tabernacle, that's what the word, the word dwelt among us. The word dwelt there is the word tabernacle. He tabernacled so he could teach and show them that, that God wanted to relate to them as sons, just like the father related to him. You'll see that. So he taught in their synagogues, preached the gospel of the kingdom. Whew. There's a big difference between the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. There, were, there was demonstration of power because he, had to, he, had, he wanted to show and back up the veracity, the truth of his word. That was the purpose of these, 
these signs and these miracles that, that, that was authority, there was power in it. Now, Jesus went about all the cities, villages, teaching, preaching, healing. That was his ministry. Everybody got that? All right. Now, go to John chapter 22, verse 21. Because now it's going to get, it gets serious. <laughs> if that's what I need, all I need now is more seriousness. John 22, Jesus says this, verse 21. Then Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Why do you think Jesus said peace to them? Because he knew what was going to come against them if they fulfilled his call. Peace is, in a, peace is in a feeling. How many of you know that Jesus said, I am the prince of peace. Peace is a person. So what he was trying to do was release his presence. Remember where we've been? I mean, we've been talking about how we carry the presence of God because in the presence of God is peace. Can I just t let you in on a little secret? You know how the devil has kept many of us from walking into our callings? And, and walking into great fruitfulness and effectiveness in the kingdom and things of God because he knows how to get your peace. The devil knows how to stir up more strife than you can shake a stick at. And what he's doing is pushing the button of the thing that's inside of you because the th thing is, peace is, is your inner composure. How many of you know if something makes you really mad, how many of you know it's not the something that made you mad, it's the mad that's in you got stirred up because of something? And when you start praying, God, I want you to, I want you to change all these people around me, what God says, yeah, that'd be great, but first I'm going to start with you. You know that stuff you're carrying right there? It's a problem. What do you mean it's a problem? It's keeping you from me. It's keeping you from me being able to deputize you because you're so sidetracked by your strife and mess, you can't walk out the peace of God that passes all understanding. Folks, how is the church ever going to help bring healing to a world when the church is full of brokenness and strife? Can I just be honest with you? Most people, when they think of getting help, you know where the last place they think of going? You know why that is? It's the absence of peace. You know why the devil wants to keep you tore up? You know why the devil keeps attacking you in the place of your peace? Because it removes you from a person. Your peace is not, your peace is not in your circumstances. Your peace is in a person. 
Can I tell you, you're always going to have people that irritate you. Can I tell you, you're always going to have people that tick you off. Can I tell you that you are always going to have people that you would love to have about two minutes with them. And I would just lay down my salvation for just two minutes. And I would give them what they're needing. Really? Aren't you glad God doesn't do you that way? Jesus said, my peace I give to you as the Father has sent me. Did people not, did people not go after Jesus? Did Jesus not have his detractors, his betrayers, him, those who mounted offenses against him, those who tried to trap him, trip him, and move him off of his, his destiny? He says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you as my representatives, my representatives. I'm going to need this thing represented, but Father has chosen me, now I'm choosing you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason he did it like this is because the Holy Spirit had not been poured out yet in Acts chapter 2. But in that, you know, and, and let me tell you something, Jesus wasn't doing the Benny Hinn thing. Jesus was showing them that the Spirit of God is like the breath of God. Jesus was God. Jesus breathed on them and said, guess what's coming? Receive this. He's trying to tear down everything that would hinder them, everything that would get in the way. He wants them to receive this because, it, listen to this, this is, how, this is how powerful he ties this to. He says, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven because of their faith. See, when the church flows in the, in the, in the, in the things of God, the gifts of God, the, the power of God, what's going to happen is we're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And when we preach the gospel of the kingdom, what comes out of that? Forgiveness. And when people repent and turn to Christ, he says, you have, you, have you have released forgiveness, and because you released forgiveness, they are forgiven. Amen. Do you know how hard it is to get saved in some churches? Because they're not offering forgiveness. They're offering Jesus on a layaway plan. First, you got to get this right. First, you got to do this. Then you got to do this. Then, then get that makeup off, you, you Jezebel. You get it off. Get it off. Get it off. Get, get it off. And then, and then, and then, and then, I'm not done. And it's like Jesus on a layaway plan. And then, if, and then when you get here, they go, congratulations, you're just like me, all dead and religious on the inside. Jesus said, I want the church to release forgiveness. 
I want you to preach grace. I want you to preach love. I want you to preach the overwhelming, reckless love of God, that God bestowed his love on us even while we were running the wrong direction, even while we were fighting him and, and resisted him. God wrapped us up in his love, and he poured out his love when it would appear to be reckless, but he knew if we ever could stop and see his love for one second, we would turn around and say, oh, how could I have run from you, oh God? And he says, your sins will be forgiven. Now, if he said, if you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained and remain unforgiven because of their unbelief. If people don't re respond to the gospel, if people don't walk into obedience, if they don't confess Jesus as Lord, he said, then, and then shake the dust off your feet and go on. But do you see the power uh, that we have been given uh, uh, in this harvest? You have the power, listen to me, you have the power to release life or death. You can release heaven or hell. I've just decided I'm done with hell. I'm not here to release hell. Oh, I just let all hell break loose on them. Glory to God. They'll learn something. <laughs> What'd that ever do for you? All it ever did was make you harder. But when you release the kingdom and they release the power and the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God, you give people an opportunity to encounter complete transformation and healing. And what God's trying to do with the church is say, church, I've given you this ability to release life. Now I want you to go and spread it everywhere you go. Walk like you're from another world. Talk like you're from another world. Live like you're from another world. We should be praying like we're from another world. Because we have the ability within us, this ability to release harvest, to release life, to release the power of God over our city. Quit cursing our city and our nation. Oh my God, they're all going to hell. What are you basing that on? How about this? Psalm 64. Oh God, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh God, that you would open heaven today. And those who have lived under a closed heaven today, they walk right into the open revelation of who you are. Today, God, over our city, let the blind eyes and the veils be removed and let this city see the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. God, send this harvest right into Portage, right into City Point. God, don't just change them. Change me, oh God. Do something in my life, in my my family, in my church. Do it in me, oh God. You see, when you start praying like that, you start praying in alignment, in agreement with heaven. You start standing on the wall and you start calling forth those things that are not as though they are. That's what God called the church. It doesn't take any discernment to see all the mess. All it takes is two eyes and half a brain to know we're in a mess. But it takes the heart of God in the mess to stand up and say, dry bones, live! You gotta, listen to me, you gotta prophesy. What Brad was talking about this morning is right on. You got to prophesy over your marriage. 
You're, you guys got to stop speaking death over you, one another. You got to speak life over your children. You got to speak life over your career, your job, your future. You got some people you're ticked off at, let it go. All they're going to do is distract you and delay you from your destiny. If you got an Esau coming after you, then get a vision from God, worship God, and let God point you in a whole new direction. You don't need to park there and wait for that to destroy you. You can get up and dream again. Hallelujah. God has invested in us and deputized us. And he said, as I sent you, as, I, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So let me ask you something. What did Jesus do? Are y'all going to answer me? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Folks, this isn't, this isn't complicated. It's not complicated. Can I go a little further? Yeah. Hebrews 2.1. And the second chapter of Hebrews, we're going to be parked here for a, a, a couple of messages, so I'm just going to warn you. So if you'd like to read, in, read it and pray into it, because, I mean, God is just like, again, I fought every, I fought every temptation to go to, you know, to go to outside sources and, and say, God, give me, give me, give me the four points here and whatever. And I heard just God say, just read it. Read it, Mike. Release it. It's not deep. It's, I know it, you're not going to walk away. Well, that was profound, but I'm not here to impress you. I'm not here to impress you. I'm done with all that mess. But what I am, I'm here to empower you. It's time for some of you to wake up. You've been sitting on your prayer life. God, some of you have an anointing and a call to intercessory prayer. He's called you to the wall and your mess has kept you from the wall. The devil has tricked you, lied to you, deceived you, deluded you, kept you distracted, diverted, disgusted. Can it, do I need any more D's? Can I, get a, can I get another D in here? And he's kept you from your purpose, your calling, and all the while God's waiting for you to stand up and take your place in the wall and take your place in your, in, in your calling and watch God release the anointing of God over your life. And you watch, you said, Jesus said, go into that secret place and I will reward you openly.
Jesus. Thank you for peace. For this reason, that is because of God's final revelation in his son Jesus. See, let let me tell you something, church. It's always been about Jesus. It will always come back to Jesus. It'll all culminate in Jesus. Everything God is doing right now is bringing the church back to Jesus. We've tried to do everything and so many different things. Why can't we just get back to the simple truth that God has called us to be like his son Jesus, that God is revealing Jesus, he's unveiling Jesus, that if you're seeing anything but Jesus, you're seeing a lie and a half-truth. Because of God's final revelation in his son, Jesus And because of Jesus' superiority to the angels. How many of you would agree Jesus is superior to the angels? Angels are pretty awesome, but let me tell you something. There's, what a beautiful name. Because of the superior, Jesus' superiority to the angels, listen to this, we must, we must, everybody say we must, pay much closer attention than ever we must pay much closer attention than ever to the things that we have heard so that we do not in any way drift away from the truth I want you to bow your heads with me. I want to ask you this question today. And I'm asking this because my heart, my heart is My heart is troubled. I just gotta be. I just gotta say it. I gotta say it for what it is. My heart is troubled. Because I see just like. I see just exactly what Jesus saw. I see a lot of sheep, who have no shepherd. And so what the writer of Hebrews was saying, he said, we we really need to pay attention to what Jesus has told us, what Jesus has done, who Jesus is, and what Jesus' work is, because if we don't pay attention, we will let those things go. We will drift. We will drift. We will drift. And see, I, I don't believe anyone here is a bad person. I really don't. I do not believe there's one bad person in this room. I just believe there's people who have drifted. 
And in that drifting, what's happened is you have, you have slowly moved away and let go of things that you used to hold dear. You used to, used to hold some things really close to your heart as things pertaining to your walk with Jesus, your, your life with Jesus, your prayer life, your, your letting the Word of God speak to you. You, you, you held on to it, and, then, and now it's become, it's become a, a thing where it drift, you drifted, and your closet's been empty, and you're, you're, you haven't heard a fresh word from God in a long time, and you've drifted, and then little compromises come in, and you start compromising, see, when you start losing your focus on Him, and when you lose your focus on Him, you let other things in. And your problem today isn't that, you, you, that you're slipping around and drinking. See, the problem isn't you're drinking. The problem is that you're drinking from the wrong fountain. Well, I'm, the problem isn't that you've you got a relationship that you know is wrong, that you know God has called you out of and wants you to walk away from. But it, 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 it's, it's, it's bringing you something that, that, you, can, that, that you can't really find anywhere else and so you're just dabbling in it but but in that compromise you find yourself you find yourself going where you know you shouldn't go and shame fills your life and then you can't draw into God and your problem isn't that relationship your problem is your focus is on the wrong relationship you, you hear what I'm saying so you, you got you got things going on in your heart you know like you, 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 just, you just walked away and your love's hardened and grown cold. And, but your problem isn't the stuff. It's not something going on around you. It's something that's going on inside you. And it's so easy to drift. It really is. Think about this. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm, I used to boat. I used to have a boat, and I heard this story of I was on this, I was on this lake in Missouri called, uh, oh gosh, I can't even think of the name of it now. Beautiful lake, huge, has a huge dam, and there's a, you know, this is, I heard this story that a guy was in a little like rowboat just just relaxing and he he was just laying down in it and he he drifted off to sleep and uh, as he drifted off to sleep the rowboat this was a lake but the because of the dam and the dam the that the water was falling over it had a slight current he was drifting toward the dam and the dam from the top to the bottom was like 60, 70 feet, enough to kill you. And he's laying there just asleep, relaxed into another realm. And all the while, his little boat is drifting closer and closer to, to this destruction. And people were up on the dam fishing and they were yelling and trying screaming. They were saying, wake up, get up. You know, because, I mean, I wouldn't have... All he had to do was wake up and realize where he was. It wasn't like a torrent. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, a, a gushing force that he'd have to fight. He just had to wake up and man the oars. And can I tell you today that some of you are asleep. And your life has just been slowly drifting toward 
this destruction that the enemy's plan for you is to rob, kill, and destroy. And what Jesus, Jesus is saying is, I want you to wake up. I want you to come back to me. I want you to, I want you to renew your life. I want you to realize who you are and what I've made you. I want you to put me back in the first place. Put me back in control of your life. Fathers, we just bow our hearts before you today. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll just speak to us. It's a very simple, it's a very simple thing, God. Very simple message, very simple truth. But I believe also it's a very simple warning. Because people don't feel the drift. They don't even sometimes sense the drift. It's not until something happens and we wake up and realize, I, how did I get here? So Father, we just open our hearts to you. I pray, God, that you will just speak to people today about where they are and what, what they're doing and how they're walking this out and whether or not they're releasing the very life that you've given us and deputized as as, as I have been sent, so send I you. Father, I pray for lives today. I pray for healing. You sent me here, Lord, to teach today, and I've taught. And I've done the best I can with this. I, I know it, I struggled, Lord, and I, I struggled because this is way out over my skis. But also, Lord, know today that you sent me to proclaim the kingdom of God. It's your king. You're the king, and this is your place, and this is your dominion. And you are the great shepherd. And, Lord, I ask you to come, I ask you to, come to City Point and be the shepherd of this flock. I ask you that you gather the scattered and you heal the broken and you comfort the, the, the weak and you wake up the sleeping and, and revive the dead. And I ask you that you do a work at City Point that only you can do as the shepherd of the sheep. So Lord, I ask you today that you will just speak to hearts and you will wake us up and stop us in our paths. Because that is the king's domain that your righteousness, peace, and joy floods our lives. And now, Lord, I ask you to heal, heal broken hearts, heal the breaches in our lives, heal the sicknesses, infirmities, the weaknesses. Right now, release the anointing, God. That's all I'm asking you to do. This is not a show. This is not, this is not about me. It's not about, it's not about my will. It's what I believe you're doing. And I believe you're going to back up your word. That's all I know, God. I believe you're going to back up your word. So I ask you to release that. I ask you, God, to revive us now. I ask you, God, to heal our nation and bring us back to you. God, bring us back to the real gospel. Bring us back to being a real church, God, once again, throughout America. 
Now, this isn't a feel-good thing. This is about obedience to the call. And, and when we are obedient, we'll feel good. But God, when we made it all about us feeling good, we missed you. We missed you by a lot. Because we feel good and you've been grieved. So God, I ask you to touch hearts and touch lives today. Would you stand with me? Well, I hate to, man, I just, whew. I hate to think I hate to think that it'd be possible that I could drift so far from him that I miss his purpose, his destiny, his call for my life. But I know it's possible. So that's why this is a somber word. It is. It's sobering. It's, wow. So let me pray for you today and I'm going to let you go. Here's the thing, because here's the thing, I, I want you to, I really want you to think about this. I want you to ponder it. Father, I ask that you speak to us, Holy Spirit, that you convict us, that you, you convince us. I'm not here to lay a cloud on anyone. I'm not here to lay a dark shadow over their lives, Lord. I just want to preach the truth. The truth, Lord God, sometimes is like a knife and it cuts. Sometimes it's like a balm and it heals, but always, God, it reveals your will and your son to us. So, God, I'm just releasing the word into them and releasing them into the word, and I just pray, God, that it will bring forth what you've called it to bring. God, I pray for your deliverance in this day and this hour for us. I pray, God, that you'll tenderize our hearts and you will saturate our hearts and minds with your word and your spirit so we could be changed and we could be like you. This is a mystery, God. I, I don't even pretend to have my mind wrapped around all of it. But I know it's true because it's in your word. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.